Hey everyone and welcome to a new episode of Wrestling With Memories. I am Fash, the Million Dollar Fan, and as ever I'm joined by Wax, the Brain, Hussein. And Wax, it's a special episode again today. It's an anniversary. Another special episode, Fash. I think we're giving our uh, audience too much free content here. I think we're going to have to start <laughs> charging for these special episodes. I know you last year trying to sell them polo shirts and hoodies and things, but, you know, I'm wearing our gear. You're not wearing it this week. So, you know, you need to live the brand wax. And in terms of these specials, you know, it's just 1996, 2021. There's so much that happened in that year that 25 years later, I think it makes sense for us to talk about it. Yep. It's, uh, I mean, I can't wait to actually discuss all that timeline in a lot of detail when we do get, get to it. Uh, well, let me right, say it's something a, to, it's a yeah. super period. Oh, it's a super period for, for all wrestling fans. Yeah, I mean, in today's one, I mean, to get you in the, the mood for things, I wanted to say some things to you. So the first thing I want to be done is get this piece of crap out of my podcast. Don't just get him out of my podcast. Get him out of the World Podcasting Federation because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your paycheck and you see your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about Wax 316. Fash 316 just said, I just whipped your ass. Does well that done. ring a bell, Wax? Well done. Well done. I think that should ring a bell to all wrestling fans. Um, well, iteration of that. Uh, exactly. It's 25 years almost um, to that epic uh, promo done by Stone Cold Steve Austin at the end of King of the Ring 1996. <laughs> The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. As far as this championship match is considered, son, I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come, and when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Obviously, anything but humble. The fourth prestigious king of the ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, 23 June 1996. We're recording this episode a few days after that um, epic date. Um, it was King of the Ring 1996. And we're obviously talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin's famous Austin 316 speech promo, which now is super historic and probably one of the most pivotal moments in wrestling history, Wax. 
Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, what are the memories and I guess overall thoughts? Because we're going to dig into this and, and you know, really analyze if it was as historic as people make it out to be at the time. Yeah, I mean, this was a really interesting time in wrestling history. Only what, you know, a few weeks before this, we've got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash turning up on WCW Nitro, which we talked a little bit about in our previous bonus episodes. Um, so you can really tell the cogs are working in the WWE <clears throat> management, you know, creative are thinking about ways to make their product seem a little bit more real, a bit more edgy and leading the charge really is the Stone Cold Steve Austin character. But he's not actually Stone Cold here, is he, Fash? Um, so you can give a bit of background in terms of how we got here. Well, he is Stone Cold Wax, actually, but um, he's at the very early stages of it. So obviously when he joined in 1996 um, in January, he was the ringmaster. And he was saddled with that terrible gimmick. And the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, was his manager. He was made the Million Dollar Champion. Um, and I think, you know, Austin wasn't happy with that. And I'm sure we'll dig into it a bit deeper in future episodes when we get to the timeline and, and maybe other specials. But, you know, he wanted an alternative name. There's a famous story out there how he got to the Stone Cold Steve Austin name. Um, so they actually start running with that, I think, in late March, uh, maybe early April. But he's still saddled with... Ted DiBiase, um, Ted DiBiase is going to WCW as part of the NWO. Um, so there's a match, a Caribbean strap match with Savio Vega. Austin loses that. And the, the basically stipulation there was that Ted DiBiase would have to leave the WWF if that happened. So he goes, Austin flips it by saying he actually meant to lose because he was didn't need Ted DiBiase and now he's going to be the man he needs to be. And that kind of starts... This run is Stone Cold Steve Austin properly. Um, he introduces the Stone Cold Stunner leading up to this event. Um, but it's still the early stages. I mean, he's made changes. He's like got rid of the buzz cut and he's got full kind of shaved head. He's got the goatee now. Um, the black tights and the black boots, fine. But it's still very early. And, and going into this event, you know, we're seeing slight changes in how he's approaching things, but he's not really getting a lot of mic time and there's not really a lot of hype behind him as well. Um, so certainly, I mean, one thing I want to say to you, Wax, here is going into this event, if you can remember it back in 1996, now I was going into second year of high school, so you'd be probably first year around about that time. You know, we get to the king of the thing. Was, did you think Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to win this event? To me, if I look back on it at this particular period, you know, I wasn't a big Stone Cold fan at this point, right? I don't this think anyone was. Yeah, so this is, this is my point. So I don't think he had as big an impact on me in early 96 as, you know, some other guys did. Um, <clears throat> and for me, it was a bit of a quiet period. I think Brett was also sort of off the scene a little bit here. Um, so, you know, my, my main guy was away uh, and we're looking for somebody to fill the card. And, you know, this could easily have been Triple H in this spot rather than, uh, Steve Austin um, for the actual King of the Ring. Well, this is where I was kind of directing you towards. I mean, if you give that a little backstory, we've mentioned it in a previous episode, but as you say, Stone Cold actually becomes King of the Ring here by default. Um, it was actually set up for someone else. Yeah, it was set up for Triple H. And if that curtain call hadn't happened, which we talked a little bit about in our bonus episodes, then he would have gone on to win this 1996 King of the Ring. And that could have changed the whole shape of what was to come, or at least delayed it, certainly. Um the early Steve Austin character, I think, firstly, as a WWF fan, we maybe only knew a little bit about Steve Austin prior to that in ECW and prior to that WCW. Um, so I don't think he would have meant much to most fans at this point. But it just goes to show the work that he's done over from you know from March time when he changed characters all the way through the rest of the year to get to the level he did. Yeah, it goes back to this. You know, you're you're talking about it, and this is where you know listeners. 
it's all the connecting points. So we've done the Scott Hall episode, we've done the Kevin Nash episode, but that links with this 25 year anniversary of Stone Cold. So if they don't leave, they don't do the curtain call, Triple H becomes King of the Ring and what happens to Steve Austin here. But actually, you know, going into it, this was different this time, Max, because it was the first King of the Ring where they just did the semifinals. Yep. So as you're saying, you know, where was the focus? Well, actually, if you go back, um, people, the focus wasn't on the King of the Ring tournament. You had two semifinals. So it was Stone Cold Steve Austin against Mark Merrow, who was getting quite a push at the time. He was quite new. And Vader against Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, I think 99% of people would have thought going into this event, without knowing the backstory about Triple H, etc., that Vader was going to win this. Because Vader was the big heel that they'd brought in. And up to this point, um, you know, in 94, 95, the King of the Ring went on to take on the WWF champion at SummerSlam. So you're just thinking it's going to be Vader going into this. So you're thinking Mark Murray is going to beat Stone Cold. Vader's going to beat Jake Roberts. The finals Mark Murray, Vader, Vader wins. And I think building into it, you know, you'd think that's, you know, where they're going to go. So for me, you know, a Steve Austin victory wasn't on the radar at all. But as you say, the focus was elsewhere. So I think when you think of this event at the time, the Ultimate Warrior's in the front cover of it, right? And he's being pushed. He's got a match with Jerry the King Lawler. If you listen to the pop the guy gets throughout the night, it's huge, right? You've got um, Shawn Michaels against the British Bulldog. You've got Ahmed Johnson, who's really hot at the time, against Goldust for the Intercontinental title. You've got Mankind as a newcomer against The Undertaker. So it was all these other things happening. And to me, you know, in the way it was promoted, the King of the Ring was kind of on the side, even though it was the event. And I say the first event with just semi-finals. So, you know, I just felt as if the focus definitely was elsewhere. And what's going to happen is, you know, as we know, the lot of things that happened in this year and years after is by chance yep. rather than by design. So, no, I agree with the, the whole King of the Ring point. Uh, when Bret Hart won the King of the Ring, you know, that was a really big deal. I mean, we're not going to talk about the actual event itself, yeah. right? So let's get to the promo itself fashion. Yeah. As you've sort of repeated this one um, is done with Michael P.S. Hayes, you know, uh, as the announcer um, and Stone Cold's, you know, getting to, to the top of that ramp where, where the throne is. Certainly doesn't look very regal, Stone Cold Steve Austin, not really uh, a king material, would you say, Fash? Well, this is it because um, you say Michael P.S. Hayes, he's Doc Hendricks at this time, right? But yeah, let's quickly, Stone Cold defeats Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, what makes a pretty badass is his mouth's bleeding, he got injured in the face in his match with Mark Murrow. So he's actually went and got stitches. Jake Roberts won by disqualification. He's, they're playing up. He's injured. Vader injures him after, right? So what's going to happen here? And really the story is, can Jake Roberts do it? Yep. And I think Jake's only about 41 here or something, but they make yeah. it like he's 80, right? So it's like, oh, can the old... And if you look at today's WWE, there's guys that are way more older than Jake, right? But he was out of shape. But anyway, I say the end result is Stone Cold Steve Austin wins to a pretty lukewarm response. Um, and he goes over to, as you say, um, the coronation stage. Um, but for me, the first kind of kind of feeling that this is different was the fact that he didn't even touch the crown. He didn't yeah. want to wear, as you say, he's not the, you know, up to, from 93 to 95, you had the guys putting the cape on, the crown. Um, if you remember a year prior to this, Mabel, that was ridiculous, you know, he sat in the chair and he had Sir Mo reading out the scroll. Stone Cold didn't have any of that. He literally just cut a promo, didn't even touch the stuff. And that made it look different. And you could tell he was like, you know, this is my moment. I'm not going to do anything goofy here, which is yeah. going to jeopardize that. And like the first thing he says, you know, get that piece of crap out of, out, of the, out of my ring. And straight away, that language is very different to, you know, anything that we've really heard before. 
you know, maybe here and there we've had reference, but, you know, this is really taking it up a notch. Um, you know, he makes reference to Jake Roberts being a born-again Christian uh, in his promo. He makes reference to Jake Roberts having a drinking problem. So these reality-based comments are, again, very new. And actually, you know, it's it's crazy how close this is to Scott Hall, Kevin Nash appearing and, you know, turning WWE yeah. Nitro upside down. Um, you know, I, I wonder how linked the two are in terms of, you know, what Stone Cold said on this night versus, you know, what happened in WCW Nitro, whether there was actually that much thought going into it or whether Stone Cold just came up with this. Yeah, himself. my view is that he wouldn't, they wouldn't have been thinking what's going over there yet because, you know, obviously what they're doing is interesting. But I just felt, as you say, leading into this, they were starting to push the boundaries a little bit. I remember, you know, a couple of months or maybe a month earlier, the Ultimate Warrior said the word ass the first time that I ever heard it on WWF television. Up to that point, I remember Bret Hart always talking about kicking someone's butt. So it was always very, very PG. And then, as you say, they had Brian Pillman on, and he was obviously playing the loose can character, and he was using some language which you hadn't heard at the point. Um, and then you had the whole Goldust Amma Johnson thing. Yep. So I think they were pushing the boundaries, but Stone Cold, as you say, this was improvised. This wasn't scripting, and that's what makes it great. So he, obviously, you know, there's different stories around, you know, Doc Kendricks saying to him, look, Jake cut this promo, or just the fact that Jake was playing, as you say, the born-again Christian, that Stone Cold, you know, it's, the wheel started turning in his head, and he's like, you know, this will work. And, you know, he went with it. So certainly, I think it was just him trying to be more reality-based, um, and certain other people trying to be more reality-based, and they hadn't gone the whole, whole way, as you know, there's going to be lots of cartoonish stuff still happening. But yeah, it just felt different. Yep. In terms of some of the things we were seeing, and this promo, you know, it, it just set the tone for what would come in the future. Yeah, and there's a couple of things to mention specifically within the promo. You know, that line, talk about your Psalms, talk about John 316, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. That Austin 316 comment, I mean, nobody, especially Stone Cold, nobody was expecting that to be, you know, to have the, the effect that it did in sort of the coming weeks. Um, I think Bruce mentions that, you know, the next night, or whenever they had their next sort of TV tapings and, and, and TV shows, people were coming out with signs just saying Austin 316. Now, obviously, everybody thinks that, you know, his main promo line is that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so, which is massively popular. But that Austin 316 comment, just, you know, that was on placards everywhere and every You, you know what, but I'm going to ch- challenge Bruce Pritchard here. And I'm going to challenge because, you know, this narrative that, oh, the next set of tapings, there was loads of signs. I disagree with that. And people can go back and look at it. I don't think it was that organic. I think when he says it, there's a pop, there's something, oh, this is different. But, you know, for and this is probably part of the debate of covering this today. I think it was a slow burner. I think it was really organic because I don't think straight away you got Austin 316. And this is what I wanted to talk about, really. He wins the King of the Ring, right? And you're thinking he's going to take on the champion at SummerSlam. It doesn't happen. They actually still go with Vader and Shawn Michaels. It's like he wins it and then there's nothing much to do. The next month, he's going to take on Mark Marrow. Then he's not at, you know, at SummerSlam. He's in a free-for-all match. He's not even on the pay-per-view. And he beats Yokozuna in a kind of hilarious manner um, before the pay-per-view starts. He doesn't really get on pay-per-view again, I think, till October, buried alive. So, you know, this whole narrative that, oh, you know, the next few tapings, there was loads of signs. I would dispute that. I, I think, think we're going to have to go away does. and find those tapings. You, I'm, I'm, that's what everyone should the, do. The, everyone should yeah. go and do that and check the Raws, check whatever. Because to me, it was slower than that. And, you know, naturally, because the guy's still a heel and people have been conditioned to kind of, you know, go with the good guys, whatever. And he wasn't getting enough time to speak. But I think as we were both discussing offline earlier, once they allowed him to kind of express himself more after his promo, 
you know, it started to ramp up. And to me, it's really September, October, when he gets more mic time, when he uses more foul language, when he's in this kind of situation with Brian Pillman. Yep. And then eventually he challenges Bret Hart. I think that's when, you know, he's given the time that he should be given and he goes up to another level as a heel. And then I think from that point, you saw more of this kind of people going with the heel a little bit in the Austin 316 um, starting to snowball. Um, so I think there's some revisionist history here in terms of happened straight away. Well, actually to me, June to August, September-ish, they're not really putting the focus on the people are not caring as much. But then when he's, you know, given a chance, this is new, this is edgy and, and people, you know, are going to start to um, start yeah. to to go with this heel. Um, but as I say, it's, it's really the, the Pillman... Bret Hart situation, isn't it? I think they'd certainly elevated him or helped elevate him to the next level. And yes, it wasn't overnight, but if we still compare it to, you know, many other things, his popularity did soar within three to four months. You know, it did did skyrocket over over that period. Uh, but yeah, his, the involvement of Brian Pillman, that really personal angle between the two, um, the the I have a he has got a gun uh, segment in the house. You know, yeah. that is just cracking tv if you've not seen it yeah. you need to go out yeah. your way to watch it and then yeah. obviously challenging bret hart straight away that is immediately putting your name in with the very best um the wwf has to offer at that time um and then obviously the matches at survivor series and rest exactly and, and we'll cover it all and i think as you say it was that because to me it's october time really because yep. he's kind of having these interactions with brian pillman and then um, you know, he cuts some promos. Vincent Mann is apologizing for this man swearing and what have you. And then, you know, there's a match um, buried alive in your house. And I'd say to everyone, go and check it out just for its historical significance again. It's actually Stone Cold as a heel against Triple H as a heel. And Triple H is a substitute for Savio Vega. So they have this match, right? Which, you know, you'd think, why is a heel taking on a heel? But between those two heels, the crowd is definitely on Stone Cold's side. And this is actually the first pay-per-view where he uses the iconic glass breaking music so even up to this point wax you know it's still the kind of ringmaster music he's i think he's wearing his kind of jacket famous jacket the first time here so the character's really coming into its own really in autumn or the fall as our u.s friends would say and then it ramps up so i guess you know this to me going back to the moment of austin 316 i think at the time it was a great promo and you thought this was interesting but there was so much other things happening that you know you kind of it wasn't your front and center but as we know um you know 97 and by 1998 this is the man who's going to take wwf and wrestling into a completely different stratosphere and now you can go back and say that was the moment but i guess the debate is at that time no one could have imagined you know what was how historic that was and to me it's probably one of the most historic if not the most historic period then because this man is going to get the chance to show um, that you know they can compete with WCW, and actually this guy is the biggest star um, yeah. that they've had. And I think I think we can possibly both agree that he did change wrestling, or he, at least he changed the WWF from what it was to to where it went. Without him, there would have been no Attitude Era. There would not have been that success over that sort of few years period from sort of ninety seven onwards. <clears throat> I I don't think we would you still be sitting here talking about this era if it hadn't been for this character to have evolved. Yeah, I'm obviously the, this is you know part of the timeline. We will talk about all this stuff in detail, but you're right. Um, you know how big Stone Cold fan I was at the time. You said you were the kind of Bret Hart, and then you kind of um, went the other way. But yeah, I mean, without the Stone Cold character, WWE's and serious job, we're going to talk about you know when we hit 96, 97, 98, everyone's going to WCW. Um, you know, and took this one character, an iconic food to take everyone's attention. 
and bring it back to the WWF. So yeah, Stone Cold. I mean, Vince McMahon said it that he was the most important um, star that was ever part of the company. I think now with time, once again, changing narratives, people talk a lot about other people, and you know, but Stone Cold Steve Austin was the man. Certainly right? for and, this era, you know, you can't argue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For this era and what we're going to see and then, you know, um, the attention he draws then allows the likes of The Rock um, to then become superstars and megastars as well. So um, this was the moment. But as I say, in June or, you know, 23, 1986, if you look at the sea of superstars that were on that show, uh, you wouldn't have thought because I see the show closes um, with a very iconic moment. If you remember it, Wax, it's the Shawn Michaels defeats British Bulldog and then you've got Owen Hart attacking him Ahmed Johnson comes out British Bulldog attacks and then you've got you know the, you've got Vader who comes in the Ultimate Warrior comes out and the crowd goes crazy and you know that's the big feud and they're going to yeah. have a six-man tag and I see Stone Cold's going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit until they, they see what they've got and then it really is from you know that period on that this character is going to evolve but as you see even in 96 he is the heel and, you know, Bret Hart's the baby face. It's not until, you know, the first quarter of 97 going into the summer that then that flip happens. And, yeah. and we've discussed it a little bit, obviously, in our top five WrestleMania moments in our WrestleMania card um, discussions. But, um, and we'll check all that out in the archives. But, you know, this is the moment. I think we should all talk about it. What we obviously wanted to do today was, you know, analyze it a little bit more. Um, and, and, you know, people change the narrative over time, but really take you back to 1996 and, you know, what you were thinking at the time. And as I say, next day in school or whatever, people were talking about other things and they were like, yeah. oh yes, Stone Cold won the King of the Ring. And you're like, was it not Vader? Was it was it not Mark Merrill? Because you're thinking these guys are going to be running the show. Um, whereas, you know, a year later, King of the Ring, 1997, Stone Cold now is the number one babyface, even though he's not champion. And by King of the Ring, 1998, we know, you know, now WWE is competing with WCW, and actually, you can see them taking the lead um, on the back of Stone Cold Steve Austin. So um, we couldn't have known what happened back in the day. Um, I think is my probably final thought on that. But um, yeah, it's great to watch it now. It's great to watch what what it became because you know it's just like watching all these moments. Um, and the one we'll discuss in our next special, which is the WCW one again. Um, I think the moment we're going to discuss about the third man. And the NW, that was the moment which you know it kind of straight ignited away ignited this whole period. Ignited, didn't it? ignited. Whereas I think what we're talking about today, Austin 316, didn't ignite it at no. that moment, but it had the longevity later on. But it was actually the spark that we didn't see at the time. Yeah, what an era to be a wrestling fan, Fash. Um, Can't believe it's 25 years. That's the thing that just makes I know, because it's so memorable. This whole period is so memorable. I mean, you don't have to go away and watch everything again. It's just so memorable, everything that happens, all the angles, the the turns and the characters. Uh, But I think it's a good place to leave it there, Fash. Um, You know, we'll be coming back to our 92 timeline very soon. We've got a lot to talk about there. Um, So look out for our shows. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, all of our podcasting platforms. Uh, We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. So give us a shout out um, if you're on those platforms. But until then, he's Fash. I'm Wax. And this has been Wrestling With Memories.